Welcome to our Unveiled podcast. My name is Susie and I'm the host of this show. We are an extension of the Women's Life Ministry at Harvest Bible Church in Windsor. Our goal is to shape the culture of women so that we can be fully alive throughout this pandemic, but also beyond. Being fully alive, regardless of circumstances, happens when we learn how to live in fellowship with Jesus. On this podcast, we talk about everyday events that women experience. Everything we discuss will be through the lens of our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are culture shapers. We will challenge you to sift all of your beliefs, every message you receive through the lens of scripture. Just because you have felt it doesn't mean it's true. And just because you've believed it doesn't mean it's true either. And just because the media says it doesn't mean you should follow it. Rather, we are called to live in light of God's truth that is revealed through his spirit, through his word. Today, we are finishing our series on reconciling resolute and rest. Over the last year, I have personally felt deeply concerned over the divide uh, amongst Christians. I think it's been there always, but we just have been more verbal about it. And I think some of this is because we are not, some people are naturally more resolute in their personality. We are determined on mission and resolved and others are just naturally laid back. They, they, they spend lots of time in prayer and they're easily ready to wait on God. And as I describe these qualities, I think that both of these are beautiful and we shouldn't just be one or the other. Rather, I think we should be striving to be both even though we might uh, lean in one direction or another, but we need to be both resolute and rest. And as we are in fellowship with the Lord, he's going to teach us when to be active and when to be at rest. In this podcast, we are going to discover, or at least begin discovering how to reconcile resolute and rest when it comes to crisis. Last week, we discussed the God-given ability to fight or flee when we're in danger that we can protect ourselves. This is a good thing. It's a gift. And for example, if we come across an angry dog, adrenaline will quick kick in very quickly and we're going to run for safety. This is a good thing. And it only becomes a problem when the fight or flight response runs wild because it's overused and doesn't ever really shut down. We discussed this in relationship to chronic stress. Now, chronic stress is, is different than a crisis There are a number of situations that can become a crisis, and the online dictionary defines crisis as a time of intense difficulty, trouble, or danger. Phrases such as critical point or turning point are also used to describe crisis. I have invited my very own sister to join me on this podcast. We are not only physical sisters, but we are also spiritual sisters, which is one of the greatest blessings God has given to me. My dear sister has been through a lot of crises in her life. She has been real about her pain, but she has always leaned into the Lord who has been faithful to sustain her through it all. Not only has the Lord sustained her, but he has let her life be a bright light for his glory. Ellie, I'm so glad you're joining me. Thank you. And I just want you to know that this is a greater joy to me than you will ever know. As we begin, I just want to say Ellie lives in Brantford. She lives about three hours away from me. She's married to Jeff, and they serve at Mission City Bible Church. 
They have four amazing children. And so Ellie is a mom on mission, a wife on mission, and she also serves in her church. So she she's, she's a, a woman who uses her life for the glory of God in the midst of some trying times. And so Ellie, could you start by describing to us a crisis in your life that has shelped or shelped, shaped you into the woman of faith that you are today? Mm, yes, Susie, it is good to be here today with you. Um, although I wish we were sitting in a coffee shop, sipping our favorite coffee and talking, laughing and crying, um, three of the things we do best. Um, <laughs> and we've often done in the past for now, um, this will do. Um, I am very thankful to be able to share um, just a little bit of what God has been teaching me. Um, I feel like there are many points of crisis throughout my life that have shaped me and continue to shape me as I learn to live in freedom and surrender to Christ, all for his glory and for his great name. There is, however, a few points of crisis that are still very vivid in my mind and ones that have dramatically changed the course of my life and the life of my family. On the one-year anniversary of my marriage, my husband Jeff and I, much to our surprise, found out that we were pregnant. This is not the crisis, by the way. To our surprise, but never a surprise to God, our firstborn was born with Down syndrome. Here we were, Jeff was still in Bible college and I had just graduated. We were living with his parents, had recently started on staff at a small church. We knew a little bit about kids, but nothing about parenting. And now we were given a little one to raise who would have a lot of extra needs. A few years later, at 19 weeks pregnant with our third baby, during an ultrasound, we found out that he had died in utero. I went into labor a few days later and gave birth to a little baby boy that we named Isaiah. Ooh. Mm. To my recollection, this was one of the most devastating days I've ever experienced, mm -hmm. which turned into weeks and months of feeling empty and of, at a loss for life itself. It took me a long time to find resolve and true rest. We never had a chance of holding him or of getting to know him and I didn't know how to move forward. I kept a little memory box of his ultrasound pictures, his outfit and prayer notes that I had started to write. It was only a few years ago that I felt that I could get past his birthday without crying and feeling down. Mm. As I cried out to God day after day, he continually gave me peace and comfort that I can't explain. And now on his birthday, which was just recently on January 13th, I remember but I smile because I remember God's faithfulness in carrying me and sustaining me through the grief of losing him. Mm. Another point of crisis happened about 12 years ago during one of my morning runs. I noticed a pain in my big toe, but feeling resilient and strong, I kept running and even increasing my workouts, believing I could fight through it and that at some point I would just go back to normal. The pain in my foot did not go away. Long story short, it didn't get better and just got worse over time, and there were no answers. I needed to use a cane or crutches to walk any distance. I required a lot of help from others with day-to-day -day life. Fast forward another few years, I remember the day clearly when I received the call from the doctor, asking both my husband Jeff and I to come in together to discuss one of the test results. A few minutes into that appointment, we were told that I would that I had thyroid cancer and that I would need to have it removed. The doctor was very sweet and kind, but I don't remember much of our conversation. We walked out of that room kind of in shock and yet at the same time, a feeling of relief 
because it brought some answers to the debilitating pain and nerve damage that left me very weak most days and barely walking over the two years prior to this diagnosis. I had a full thyroidectomy and because of the seriousness of it and the tumor being much larger than expected and it being wrapped around my vocal cords, I spent the next four days in ICU because of the risk of, risk of affecting the laryngeal nerve and other risks. When my pathology report came back, I remember again being brought in, the, in to meet my oncological team who have really become so dear to me. Again, the doctor assigned to give me the findings and give me my treatment plan was kind, but as he began, I could tell it wasn't positive. He told me that thyroid cancer is usually easily treated, but in my case, this was different. I had stage four B cancer and it had started to spread to nearby organs. They had to remove my thyroid and three out of four lymph nodes. But to save my voice, they had to leave a very small remnant behind, which I've come to realize has a lot of long-term side effects. He also told me that I would never, um, that I would need several rounds of radiation and that I had maybe four to five years to live and it would most likely come back two to three, three years later, and it did. To be honest, I wasn't sure how to respond. I left the office and quietly drove home, then cried my eyes out. We shared the news with our kids and close family and friends. We cried and laughed a lot in the coming days. It felt like a long and hard recovery. I couldn't have made it without the gift of family and friends. I am so thankful to God for, the, for these precious people who have seen me laugh and cry, run and hide, eat and throw up, get up and pass out, all to do it again the very next day. We had four young children at this point between the ages of nine and two. Caleb was the oldest and at a point in his life where running away was a normal part of his day. He had many medical appointments and therapies and we were regularly in the school advocating on his behalf for inclusion and educational rights. But his story may have to wait for another day. At the same time, one of my other children was also in the middle of recovering from minor surgery. I believed God was good all of this but life was really hard. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a lot for anyone to be going through at one time. And, you know, as your sister, I, I do remember some of that obviously as, you know, I, I also have times when I think back and I just wish I would have been there for you more, but being several hours away, having my own children, uh, yeah, it was just an interesting times knowing you were going through this, this very difficult time, not just with yourself, but some of the challenges that you've described with your children, not knowing how I fit in. Uh, I do remember having phone conversations with you and that was good. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, yeah, the Lord was really there for you and he's the one that, that had to sustain you. And um, certainly we had a younger sister and I'm so thankful for her time with you. And I know she helped you out a lot, which was absolutely essential for you at that time. Uh, you've described it a little bit, um, but when we first hear of something so significant and life-changing, it's hard to know how we're going to re react. And I'm just wondering, what would you say was your initial response when you uh, uh, heard the news of this crisis, particularly the one of cancer, but Feel free to talk with the other ones as well. Well, hearing four to five years to live when you're in your 30s was overwhelming and yet so freeing in so many ways. 
I'll try to explain this later. All of these crisis moments, although different, were all pivotal moments for me. And within the bigger crises, there have been many smaller crises along the way. I wish I could say that my first response was to turn to Jesus, that I prayed and opened his word, but it wasn't always the case. I would say that at first I was in shock. I felt numb, wondering if it was all part of a bad dream. Mm. Then I jump into action, trying to find out as much about the diagnosis as possible. I would connect with friends to talk and process it all. I cried a lot and I journaled endlessly. On days that I mustered up the courage and energy to pick up my Bible, I usually turned to the Psalms or to Philippians. Other days, I would just hold it in my hands and pray intensely, trying to make sense of my emotions and the reality I was hit with. I remember having to tell people and carry their grief and their pain. That was so hard, yet so important for all of us in our faith community and in our family as we learn to live fully in the midst of this pain. Most days, I felt a wide range of strong emotions, disbelief, fear, sadness, anxiety, overwhelm, fear of the unknown, exhaustion. I don't ever remember feeling angry or asking why me, but I do remember thinking, who would love Jeff well? And how would I manage to be a mother to my four small ch children? And who would carry this load with us? It was also a time of reflex reflection and it led me to some new goals and priorities and living life to its fullest. Learning to lean into God and his word, learning to trust him and his ways, and that his ways are always higher and better than mine. I learned to sing and worship and not worry about what anyone else was thinking. There was a part of me that lived well and at such peace during this time. Mm -hmm. One of the scriptures passages I clung to and tried to live by was found in Colossians 4 verse 5. five. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of your time. I asked the Lord to help me grow in wisdom and understanding so that I can make the best use of every part of our family's journey. Mm -hmm. I remember, Ellie, that uh, some, of the, some of the things that you told me back then, and one of the things that stands out to me, even as you yourself question, you know, how did I actually live? Because so much of it is a blur but I know that your life was a, a, a huge testimony, even in difficult times. So one thing in particular that really stands out to me is you telling me that you would have different women ask you or say to you, Elia, I wish I had the faith that you had. And that's a pretty amazing compliment, or should I even say just uh, a great way to glorify God? Because even in the midst of everything that you were going through, women were looking to you as a woman of great faith. And I remember you telling me that you had responded by saying, well, are you willing to go through what I've gone through? And that's, that's powerful because I think naturally, if we're Christians, we want to have that strong, deep faith, but we think it'll come easily. But that's not usually the case. It comes through trying times as the Lord tests us and tries us and we lean into him and we experience his grace and his faithfulness. That's how our faith develops. It's not through ease of life, but through some of the most difficult times. And so what would you say were some of those hardest moments that you went through in your own life? Um, I would say um, learning to live with the chronic pain and the side effects associated with radiation and chronic um, hypothyroidism were definitely hard. Um, I had many hard days following my surgery 
the hardest part was when I got out of surgery. Um, I didn't have a voice and I could only whisper and talking for too long was exhausting. The, this lasted for about 11 weeks and it was unknown if my voice would even come back. Um, I remember one particular day when you and I actually met together to have lunch during this time. Um, I think that was probably one of your favorite times of lunch because <laughs> I didn't talk. You talked. Um, it was um, it was a beautiful reminder to me. And um, this is when th during these um, 11 weeks, I really learned how to become a better listener and um, in many ways become a better friend to others. Um, God always has a way and he has his own way of getting us there. When my voice didn't come back, when my voice did finally come back, I mean, I had to relearn some words that, comp that um, had completely left my vocabulary. This was frustrating and humiliating, but with the support of beautiful, godly women, I learned to work through it. It also altered my personality somewhat. And to this day, I'm still trying to figure out what that is. Um, and uh, I've learned that I tire much easier than I did pre-cancer days. Um, learning to manage day-to-day -day life with ever-changing emotions and mood swings was also hard. I felt like my appearance had changed and I no longer had the energy I once had. And I grieved the fun and the energy of days gone by. My relationships with others changed, especially with Jeff. So many hard days that have um, become such beautiful and precious reminders of God's faithfulness mm. um, in sustaining and growing our marriage and bringing mm. us closer to each other. Um, Relationships with others changed too. Some friendships became stronger and others harder. There were some who looked at me with sympathy instead of me um, being the one they looked to for help. Um, there was so much pride wrapped up in all of these feelings, but they were emotions I had to work through if I wanted to bring glory to God. Mm -hmm. I also found it hard to keep up with constant tests and appointments and waiting for results hearing that it was worse than expected and more treatment or therapy was needed, keeping people informed, keeping up with my home, loving Jeff and our family well, finding people to care for my kids, feeling guilty that they were being left behind and or left with a friend again. Um, I would say that I still find my yearly checkups kind of hard. Um, I fear it coming back, but I'm learning to quickly remember that even if it does, God is faithful and he can be trusted. Absolutely. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Ellie, for sharing some of that. That's that's tough stuff. Uh, it is kind of funny that you mentioned the lunch that we had. I remember it was at the keg in Chatham. We met halfway. And I do remember uh, being the one that actually had a chance to talk all our growing <laughs> up years. I had been the very quiet one and you had done a lot of talking. <laughs> But it's all good. And now we've maybe balanced each other out and we both talk and we both listen, which is what we want to do in a true friendship, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I also know that you often struggled with how this was going to impact your kids. And sometimes you uh, would feel concerned that you couldn't do as many active things with them. Uh, even back then, I saw that even if you couldn't do as much activity you were making a huge difference in their lives by just being a testimony of faith and perseverance and prayer. And so I never doubted in my mind that you would have a huge impact and maybe an even greater impact in your kids' lives than most moms ever have a chance of being because of your, your faithfulness to God through it all. And they saw that. Maybe when they were young, they didn't fully understand why you couldn't always get up off the couch but even as I've seen your kids grow up, 
they have a strong faith, a genuine faith, and largely because they've seen you live it out in some of your difficult times. Uh, I'm just wondering if you have anything else to add about how this has impacted your kids, um, things that you've seen in their lives. Um, well, we've always been very open with our kids and we try to keep them in the loop, um, not hiding the diagnosis, the test, the pain, the fear, the worry, um, even the tears. Um, being open has allowed for me to cry and talk openly with them, but it's also allowed for them to talk and process openly um, about it too. Um, they each responded differently. Um, I've seen each one of them dig deep into God's word. Um, I've also seen each one of them uh, frustrated and um, hurt and with lots of questions and unknowns. Um, but um, maybe one day they'll be able to share their own st stories of how God sustained them through the years. Mm -hmm. I'm sure they will. I'm sure they're going to have lots to say. And this has definitely shaped them, but for the better. Uh, and so I'm just wondering as well, what was your part in processing this crisis? And what did you have to entrust to God? So in other words, as we're talking about reconciling resolute and rest, how, um, how were you resolute through all of this? And how were you at rest? Um, well, I found it helpful to keep talking about it. I am so very thankful that I had you, Susie, um, along with my other sister, Janet, um, that you, we had mentioned earlier, my mom and others in our family and um, some, um, some very close friends um, who helped me out a lot um, practically and also just by being there with me. Sometimes they would sit with me in silence and sometimes we would talk together. Um, uh, many of my family and friends came to help with the kids, with meals, um, with housekeeping. They always reminded me of the gospel. I had to let go of the ideal and let them help though. Mm. Talking through life's, life's ups and downs with family, um, friends that were close to me during this time and even now are an inexplainable gift to me from the Lord. The gift of calling up a friend and just talking things through has helped me to keep things um, going on the, like help, sorry, helped me to keep going on the hard days. Prayer and reading scripture were a lifeline. Although I didn't always do this well, and I didn't always like what it said, sometimes I was angry at scripture, and other times it just didn't make sense. But I knew God's word, and I knew it was true and right. And so I kept reading and trying to understand it. And when I didn't understand, and the vertical and the horizontal life didn't seem to match up, I asked others to join me in praying and coming to a place of resolute and rest. Having memorized scripture as a child was key for me during these brutal tests, MRIs, injections, isolation rooms, because I couldn't physically have my Bible with me, but I could recite it. This helped me get through many an awful test. Don't misunderstand me. Many days I didn't do this journey well. I remember at one time when my body seemed to be shutting down instead of getting better, I was walking with a limp and needed a cane for balance. It was so humiliating and frustrating. Yeah. I needed a lot of physical help. I remember one night, Jeff was at church and one of our young adult girls was over to help me with the kids because I was physically too weak and unable. My kids were little and one of the kids was crying while the caregiver was reading and praying with her. I was thankful for her love for them and their love for her. As silent tears ran down my face, they quickly turned into sobs. Mm. I remember another time when one of my girls snuck away from the caregiver and the other kids she was always really good at this. 
and quietly came to my mm-hmm. bedside and just stared at me, wide-eyed. She slowly moved her face as close to mine as she could and opened my eyelids to see me. Other times, the kids would quietly lay beside me and hope no one noticed them for fear that they might be removed. I remember times when Jeff and the kids were scared because I had just fainted or had thrown up. They learned quickly how to run and get a cold cloth and put it over my forehead and sit with me through it while we all cried. Mm. I remember being so thankful to God for these beautiful people who were being the hands and feet of Jesus to Jeff and to the kids, and at the same time feeling so sad and disappointed that I couldn't always be there when they needed me most. Mm. I could hear their anguish, but I couldn't always help them. And sometimes in these moments, I would um, think of, I would be thankful to God for these women who loved my kids. Um, But in my sadness, I would um, think that was supposed to be me because I'm their mother. Mm -hmm. um, And I'm supposed to be the one that's supposed to care for them. I'm also so, so grateful for the godly men who walked this journey with Jeff. The love of community reminds me of the gospel and how we are to bear one another's burdens. Mm -hmm. I did have to come to a place where I realized that my main role in mothering was to point them to Jesus and to pray for them. All the other practical and fun things a mother does, although not ideal, can be done by a friend. Mm -hmm. My role was to show them Jesus and to pray for them. And this is what I did. I prayed hard for them and took every opportunity to read scripture and to worship our God with them. Over time, I've been able to take back the practical and fun parts of being a wife and mom, but my main role still remains to point them to Jesus in all I say and do and to keep praying for them. Why our family needed to go through this may always remain a mystery on this side of heaven. We can, however, glean certain truths from God's word. Times of crises and the effects of them will either lead us closer to Jesus or farther away. I had to choose. I chose to allow it to refine me and bring me closer to Christ, although not perfectly. Isaiah 48 verse 10 says, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the fire of affliction. The meaning of this verse, the meaning of this verse makes it clear that pain and suffering have a way of bringing our strengths and weaknesses to the surface. When the dross floats to the surface, God skims it off. He purifies and refines us to be the radiant bride of Christ. And as we bring our pain and repentant hearts to him, Mm. we are made righteous in him. Mm -hmm. My ongoing cancer journey, although I'm feeling mostly well these days, has, has and continues to refine me and draws out my sinful and wretched heart. My pride that is ever before me and shows me my desperate need for Jesus. The hard days have made me pray differently with deeper confidence in God's unending faithfulness. And on the five-year anniversary of my diagnosis, I thanked the Lord for life and again asked him to grow me and stretch me so that I would not waste a day, but that I would continue to bring him glory all the days of my life and that every day I would make much of him again, not perfectly. This is my resolve and where I find my rest. Mm. And that's, that's the resolve we need to have, right? And uh, we know that none of us do do this life perfectly. We, we mess up. And that's why I also appreciated that you brought out the, the, the idea of repentance. And many times when we're going through a crisis, we, we can easily feel sorry for ourselves or feel like we're the victim and, and that we, we just have so much trouble to go through. And yet, even in those times, we have to be willing to admit and to humble ourselves enough to say, 
I need to repent in this moment. I've had a wrong attitude or my perspective's been off. I, I've, I've, I've sinned. That's hard to do. That can only happen through humility. And yet anyone who wants to be righteous before him, we have to come to that point. Obviously, initially through faith and repentance in the Lord Jesus Christ, trusting him to be our savior and the mm. only way to heaven. And yet as Christians, we need to have a lifestyle of repentance, even in times of crisis. And that's that's awesome. I'm so thankful that you brought that out. Uh, I'm sure there's so much you've learned more than you've even shared with us. And so I'm just wondering, what are some of the most important truths that God taught you through this? Well, he's taught me an awful lot. So I hope it's okay if I share a few more than two. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Um, I would say that one of the biggest things is to know that who he is. Yeah. You to know the character of God so you can pray with fervency and expectation with confidence of who you know your God is. Mm-hmm. He's faithful and steadfast and holy and righteous and there's none like him. Mm-hmm. His love endures forever. He is sovereign and his plans are always for our good. Another one would be um, to have good, solid biblical thinking, Mm. to know what is true. Too often when I find um, myself in a tizzy and frustrated at God and his word, it's because I've misinterpreted it. For example, when I would read about the goodness of the Lord or that he brings calm and he creates calamity, that he, his plans are always for our good and that our worship is always full of joy um, I thought that it must mean that I had to have an excitable bounce in my steps, always smiling, always <laughs> on the ball, always having it all together. It can be this, but I came to realize that joy and peace and our worship can also be through deep sorrow and tears mm. as we cry out to the Lord and praise him in our suffering. Mm-hmm. God's definition of goodness is so different than mine. Um, another truth would be that when um, your flesh wants to lash out in anger or frustration or wants to give um, up to keep digging into his word so that you can know who he is. So mm-hmm. you can know his character and claim his promises and trust him because you know that because he's always been with you before, he's going to be with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other in, um, truth would be, um, and maybe this is not a truth. It's more um, it's something I live by and encourage others to is to share your story, invite others in, and mostly let God be the author and finisher of your faith story. I read this quote in a book, so it is not mine, but I hope it will encourage you um, as it has um, me. But I promise you, what you have gleaned of God's nature and ways through the course of your life, however inadequate you may feel, is worth passing on to others, particularly those following behind you. Whenever you've seen God prove himself faithful, whatever his word Whatever his word has sustained you in weakness and provided needed direction, and yes, even wherever you have experienced the consequences of failing to walk according to his word, there's your story to share. The soundness of your faith is based on the soundness of the one in whom you've placed it, not on your perfect record in walking out that faith. Mm, I love that. It's the soundness of our faith. Let me just see if I can repeat that. The soundness of our faith is rested in the one whom we have believed. I think I messed that up a little bit, but it was almost there. That that's so good because uh, we all do have stories and some obviously are more traumatic than others, but ultimately we want to uh, 
just rest our story, share our story in light of the faith that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, I think we have to be very real and honest about our emotions. Mm -hmm. And in fact, they say that um, one of the best ways to overcome PTSD or to even prevent it is to talk about the trauma Mm -hmm. in our lives. I think God has designed us that way. We're not to bottle it all up, which is sometimes our natural reaction. I know for myself, it's easier just to bottle it up and just motor through trials rather than taking time to process it or talk about it. But that just causes more damage. But we don't want to just talk about and and process our raw emotions and and leave it there in the darkness and in, in the pain and the agony. But then give it to the Lord and and entrust it to the Lord and, and worship him even in the darkness. And as we do that, God can start beginning to do amazing things through even some of the darkest times in our life. He He's the author of redeeming uh, ashes to beauty, right? And uh, you've just essentially said that in your own words. And thank you for sharing that. And Obviously, we know that uh, our life is full of trials. And that doesn't mean, that's not a, a gloom and doom kind of message. But we know that once we've experienced one trial, it's not as if life is going to be hunky-dory and beautiful and pain-free for the rest of our lives. It's actually going to probably prepare us for the next trial. And so how have the experiences you've already shared with us, how have they prepared you for future trials or crises that you know you're going to face? Well, I'm reminded that because God has brought me through in the past, he will bring me through again. Mm -hmm. He sustains us and strengthens us to keep going. Being a follower of Jesus means that we walk this life in full surrender and complete trust in Christ, who promises to finish that which he has started in those who believe in him. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, He who began a good work in you will carry it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. I have found that when I seek Christ um, through scripture and in prayer and worship, I find Jesus. Mm. And because I've experienced his sustaining grace, walking with our family through all of life, the good and the hard days, I know him. I know his character because Mm. I've seen his faithful and steadfast love from the very beginning. And I anchor my soul to who I know God is and what he's done for me. And because I have confidence in who he is, I can bring my deepest, darkest, and rawest feelings and thoughts to him. Not only can God handle my rawness, he already knows it, but I've also learned that we can't stay stuck there. We must choose to trust and get up and move forward, Mm -hmm. sometimes falling, sometimes keeping it together, always in him. Mm -hmm. I've learned that we can still bring glory to God and serve him in our brokenness and not to wait for the perfect day. Mm. This is how I've come to a place of resolute and rest. I know my father. I've learned to trust in his sovereignty as I live in a world filled with pain. Although I'm still processing what this looks like in everyday life, I can say without a doubt that I know he loves me and he is for me and he is a good, good father. While there's no pat answer and grief is always messy, I have found the words steadfast and faithfulness to be so comforting. Sometimes I write them in big, bold letters and paste them everywhere I can see them. Mm-hmm. Inside covered doors, on my laptop, everywhere. To remind me that he truly is steadfast and faithful and that I need to remain in him. Psalm 13.5 says, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. Mm-hmm. God is faithful. So in all of these up, life's ups and downs, 
I have learned that I must keep leaning into God. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think some of the things that you just said are actually very relevant for all of us right now. Yes. Although, because in a sense, we, we are all in a bit of a crisis or maybe a big crisis right now. Maybe we don't even realize the full extent of everything that's going on. Uh, but we're all going through a type of heaviness, a type of loneliness as our world is trying to figure out how to best respond to the current virus that's going on. And certainly there's lots of different opinions amongst all sorts of people of how this should be handled. It's, but it's affecting all of us. And um, somehow, I, I think during the first lockdown that we faced here in Ontario in March, I, I felt very frustrated at first because I thought this is not the way we've been designed to live. And I, I felt like I needed to fight that and, and to battle that out. And, and I was frustrated. And I had to come to a point where I had to realize, yes, this is not how God has designed us to live. This is not ideal. This is not his ultimate plan for our lives. But I also had to trust the fact that he is God. And if he wanted to change things, he could change things. He could remove the lockdown. He could cure this virus in a moment, in an instant, but he hasn't. And so somehow I have to learn to find joy and contentment in these circumstances, even if it's not God's ultimate plan. And I find myself in that situation once again, during this second lockdown, trying to to fight for what is better, but be content in on mission while I'm waiting for God to resolve things. And it's an interesting balance to try and find that. And some days I do well and some days I don't. Some days I'm miserable and I'm mad. And in other days I find joy and I, I, I see what God's doing and I'm thankful. I might not see the big picture of what he's doing quite yet, but I see glimpses of his glory as he's impacting my life, as I hear stories of him impacting other people's lives. And so even now it's not a personal crisis where I'm going through it alone. Like when you got diagnosed with cancer or when, when you lost your baby or when uh, you found out your son had Down syndrome. Those are personal crises that, yeah, our community and family, they surround you, but in a sense, you're still going through it alone. Whereas what we're going through in terms of this world crises right now, we're all kind of in it together. It looks different, but it's a bit of a different crisis. I totally recognize that. Uh, a personal crisis is is a different level of of pain that we suffer. And so with that, you've shared a lot. You've told us a lot of how you've processed things. You've told us how God has been faithful and steadfast. And as we finish here, I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you want to share with our listeners today that can help them be prepared for whether it's just what we're going through right now, our, our world crisis, or if there's anything that they might come face to face with in, in a time to come, a critical point in their life. So anything else you want to share with us, Ellie? Um, I would say if you feel as though you have not been through a crisis, you will one day. Don't wait for that day to start seeking and growing in your walk with God. Learn now who he is so that it won't rock your world. If you are in a valley, don't lose heart, dear friend. If you are in a crisis or learning to live with chronic illness in the initial stages and as treatment goes on, you may wonder how in the world you're ever going to get through this. How will you keep trusting God through this? You will. 
Keep seeking God with your real and raw emotions because he can handle them. Keep fighting to know your God and find friends who will walk this journey with you and don't ever give up. Read, journal, research, find support through trusted friends, ask questions, fight for who you know God is. Fight for truth and resolve and know that God loves you and is for you. Write out scripture, pray scripture, particularly the Psalms. They will help put words to your thoughts and keep your thought theology in check as well. Mm-hmm. One of the many passages that has helped me as I work, work through life, and I trust it will encourage you also, and this is going to be my last, is 2 Corinthians 1 verses 9 to 11. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we set our hope that he will deliver us again. Wow, God, only God can do this. Absolutely. Uh, ultimately, the best way to thrive through crisis, to respond well, is is to to lean into him and to uh, make sure that our mind is rooted in right theology, not just so that we can be puffed up in our minds knowing that we we have the right beliefs, but having right beliefs does shape the way that we live and the way that we act. It does transform us. And you've reminded us of that over and over again, as you've encouraged us to, to get into God's word and to know who he is so that we, we can trust him and see his faithfulness and uh, to be in God's word and let that encourage our hearts and, and keep our minds believing the right thing. Because ultimately, the way that we live is evidence of what we think to be true. And so if we're not having right thoughts about God, we're not going to have right actions. And so if we want to change our actions, we have to start by changing our thoughts, our, our view on who God is, having correct beliefs that are grounded in God's word, so that our hearts and our minds can also be transformed through that and ultimately just live for his glory. It's all about him. And that just brings me back to the point too, that we have to be willing to surrender. It's hard. We're naturally inclined to want to protect ourselves, to live a life of comfort, to to follow our own dreams, our own desires. And yet when we're just following ourselves, it just kind of ends up being an endless pursuit of disappointment. But when we're willing to lay that down and actually follow him, that's when we begin finding joy, even when life isn't exactly what we would have always dreamed it to be because ultimately he is the joy and the satisfaction in our hearts. And um, so I just want to thank you, Ellie. I know you uh, just really had to think back to some difficult times and that's not, not easy. It's hard to go back to those difficult moments and rethink them and reprocess them. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that you were willing to do that. I, I believe that our listeners were will be blessed by hearing your story and encouraged and resolved to also be strong in the Lord and to lean into him, whatever they're facing. Um, this morning, I uh, read this verse, Psalm 94, 19, and it says, when anxiety was great within me, your consolations brought me joy. Uh, the truth is we're going to have times of anxiety or distress in our life. And we can either try to fight it on our own 
or we can take it to the Lord. When we take it to the Lord, he can bring us that incredible joy that doesn't even make sense. It doesn't make sense to those who don't know Christ, but in Christ, he gives us that joy and that peace that is divine. It's his presence. And that's ultimately what we're seeking. And so thank you so much, Ali. I I just want to um, let you know that the things that you've shared are very beneficial. I know that they're going to equip our listeners uh, for a time that they may be facing their own crises. I also want to assure you that your life has been a greater testimony to me than you'll ever know. Uh, to see you endure, to see you prayerfully process your pain and take it to the Lord is an example to me that that is very powerful. And in one way or another, I've, I've used your life as an example so many times as I'm trying to encourage other people or understand other people. You've helped me with that. And so thank you. And just to remind you and encourage you, if you have our doubt, I know that you have positively impacted and influenced your kids for God's glory. And it's just pretty cool to see them following the Lord and seeking the Lord as well. And so, Ellie, thank you for being a light. And uh, thank you for joining me today. Next week, we are going to start a new series. It's a series on wedding planning. It's that time of year that a lot of young brides are looking at having um, a wedding of their own and getting excited about that. So I'm going to have several weeks on that. I'm excited to discuss that. And once again, be willing to, to challenge all the young brides because we have this novel idea of what our wedding is going to be like. I think most young girls from the time they're young, they have this fairy tale dream of what they want their wedding to be like. And yet we, we really need to be careful that we're planning our weddings, even that very important day in our lives, that this day is not about us, but it's ultimately for the glory of God. And so I'm super excited about this new series. Our first week is going to be a specific message to the moms. And I'm excited uh, because I've, uh, I'll be having Michelle Reed and Rhonda Hill join me for that. They each have children of their own that have been married. And it's a message that I think moms need to hear because many times moms get missed and they're trying to figure out how to process their own emotions, what their role in the wedding day is, and we can lose sight of uh, the most important things. And so I hope our listeners will join me, whether you've got a child at that age or not. Uh, I think next week's session will also just equip the moms to be uh, the moms that will one day have a son or daughter getting married to prepare their hearts for that very significant day in their family. So enjoy and be blessed. Continue to consider the things that Ellie has shared with you today and uh, come next week and we'll uh, enjoy some more excellent God honoring Bible-based messages. So we'll see you next week. Thanks.